Welcome along to this week's GA podcast. Brian Barry here in Pundit Arena HQ with Joel Slattery. Plenty of National Hurling and Football League action to debate, get through and analyse and look ahead, of course, to next week's games, including the All-Ireland Club semi-finals and the hurling. Um, we're going to start with football this week. Joel, I think the most interesting takeaway was uh, Tyrone's failure, basically, to deal with the dubs again. They were at home on a Saturday night. It was a big occasion. It was kind of the perfect opportunity to put last August behind them and they were going well they were 1-7 to 1-5 up at half time and then just sure they just fell off yeah like that that second goal is a killer too and you know those are the those are the kind of mistakes you can't make against Dublin you might get away with that in the early rounds in Ulster because Throne are better than those teams they can get over making those mistakes but against a team of the quality of Dublin even though we spoke last week how Dublin having the same kind of rigorous pre-season that everyone else has had just still have such talent in that forward line just to give them a goal like that, it's very hard to make up for it. And they were playing quite defensively, and it's uh, fair to say since that game it hasn't come in for much love. Uh, Mickey Hart is persisting with it. Obviously he feels that this is the way forward and this is the way they're going to win another Sam Maguire up in Tyrone. Is, like, Dublin, okay, credit where it's due, it's the second week in a row that they just turned it up, put the foot down, and they completely blew a team out of the water in the second half. And I think... They're going to do that to most teams anyway in the country that they meet this year. But Toronto, like, I still think, just wonder, is it feasible? A fit and fire in Tyrone just going in the summer and everything goes right for them. I don't think that game completely answered all my questions about Tyrone. Like, I think, okay, flat out, Dublin are more than likely to beat them if should they meet in the Super 8s or should they meet later in the league in a league final or whatever. But... Yeah, it probably wasn't the best barometer on a Saturday night in, in was it still January now? Sorry, we're in February now, so but it's pr- still not the best barometer. Yeah, I suppose like at this time of year with teams only coming back, now is the, your best chance to beat Dublin and get that momentum going into the as you approach the championship. It's not great for Tyrone that you know they historically do very well in the McKenna Cup. They they start off very well, start their seasons off very well. So to meet Dublin sorely on and be blown away in the second half like that. It's um, not quite, it's still too early in the air to be overly concerned about it, but it's definitely something Mickey Hart will be conscious of as the season progresses. Sure, they, they were in uh, Division 2 there two years ago, having come up, they did quite well last year, they didn't quite reach the league final, but like Division 1 is so competitive and it can get away with your games coming thick and fast that all of a sudden they're Tyrone, or two losses from two, they're in the relegation zone, well, a level on points, i.e. zero with Donegal and Kildare, but they're going down to Newbridge now next Sunday, and it's kind of, I'm not going to say it's a must-win game for them, but if they lose it, they're, they really have to win out, or they need to pick up a few points, they can kiss any dreams of a final goodbye, it's probably even realistic to say now, they won't reach the final, but... It's looking like a real four-pointer going down to Newbridge now against Kildare. Yeah, well, you, you definitely want to, don't want to get relegated. I'm not sure if winning the league is the most important thing in the world, but you like it's a long season. If it's just seven games, if you lose five or six of them, it makes it very hard to turn it around in the summer. I think their their chances of finishing in the top two are almost gone at this stage. It's very hard to win five games in a row. But yeah, going down to Newbridge, it's one that I'm. It'll test the character. You have a bad defeat there at home. Now can you go and beat a team who you? Sh- you feel you should be beating and just kind of prove that you can get over that result and just start again. Yeah, okay. The, my questions about Tyrone at the start of the year there were, 
will Stephen O'Neill make a difference? Now, that's very hard to see from a spectator point of view if you're just looking at them from the outside in to say whether one selector has made a tangible difference. It's a lot easier to say when one player is coming back, for instance. And they have that too, and Connor uh, McAliski uh, coming back. He got on the score sheet there the other night. Look, after Sean Kavanagh retired last year, people are saying, OK, do you need another go-to forward? Um, McAliski missed out with I think it was a cruciate or did he do his ACL anyway and he's he's just coming back this season it's another scoring forward within their ranks something they were missing really they were like they've had Matty Donnelly the last few years Sean Kavanagh's there to win balls or something but what's been holding them back is one or two marquee forwards now obviously you're going to have to suggest maybe it's not the lack of forwards it's just the lack of it's their system doesn't allow forwards to drive really and kind of consistently but, score on this team but that's the thing when you play such a defensive system you're not going to get 40 shots of goal so you have to be clinical in front of the posts and that's where you need to have those prolific forwards somebody who can score 3 or 4 points from play off limited possession which brings me to my next point well actually my first point again is is it sustainable now coming like even if you have two of the best and the sharpest uh, scoring forwards in the country are you still giving them enough shots to like hit realistic percentages and keep the scoreboard ticking over to beat not only I've no doubt that Tyrone can go out and lay waste to Ulster again this season or whatever go out and take care of every team below them but it's just it's when they're playing these Division 1 teams in the Championship when they're playing your Dublins playing Galway who they fell to last week your Mayos your Kerrys in Super 8s week in week out whether this is just sustainable and they're going to get enough points on the board well, I suppose the problem with that defensive tactic, and it's probably something we'll get to later in the show when we talk about um, the Waterford hurlers, but with that kind of ultra-defensive, kind of conservative mindset, you'll always beat the teams that you're better than, but it's can you go up the ranks, can you beat the likes of Mayo and the likes of Dublin playing that system, and unfortunately they've yet to prove that. I think that kind of that point neatly, neatly ties into our next discussion there on Galway is another county I want to talk about, because they're kind of the exact opposite of Toronto. they've... Um, they've come in and they've got two tight wins uh, under their belt so far Kevin Walsh's team obviously haven't come up from Division 2 last year their lack of consistency um, in the championship I think like is okay here it's not, that's not rocket science to suggest that that's what's been holding them back but I'd say it's just so frustra- frustrating from a Galway supporters point of view they go out and they beat Mayo last year then sure Everybody thought the Connick final was just a procession to go out, lose to Roscommon, hammer Donegal, lose to Kerry, can't raise a green flag whatsoever on that day. We've talked about this on the show that Division 1 football might do them good now this year going forward. They, well, any bit of consistency they've put together, they've dug deep and two hard fought wins, one at home to Tyrone last week, won 98 points, and then they go away. Go up to Letter Kenny and beat Donegal one twelve to fourteen points. Uh, Damien Comer obviously leading the line, but like that's what they need basically, isn't it? Just top tier opposition week yeah, in week it, out. It's funny you mentioned that Donegal game last year because it seems every time on this podcast you mention that match, we use it as an example of Donegal's inconsistency and not Galway's. And maybe Galway just from us and from others didn't get the credit they deserved for that win. So they they really did blow apart, but they what, didn't back it up. But they didn't back it up. But I'm. Um, I suppose it's about, you mentioned the word consistency, but you know it's not much good if you're consistently average either. They've shown that they can reach that higher level, that they are capable of taking on the top eight teams in the country. And um, it's just trying to do it week on week. That's what Division 1 football will prove for them. 
they've shown they can do it twice in a row, which is something many people would have doubted. But now, can you do it three, four, five times in a row? And even you don't have to win every week because they are playing the best seven teams in the country. But if you can just get a good level of performance and be competitive in every game in this division, that'll be a key for them. Sure, they're at home to Mayo now this Sunday and that kind of brings its own elements. It's a real conic derby. They're playing again in the championship, but Mayo will want to lay down a marker as well, having lost in the last two summers. And they're kind of... Mayo will be going up there with a point to prove, basically. Whereas Galway, they've got two wins in a row, but we've seen teams last year, for instance, I think it was uh, Donegal or was it Tyrone, both of them really had a good start to the league and then they kind of fell off towards the end of the league the last few weeks. Galway won't... They're up there at the moment, level on points with Dublin and Kerry. Not too bad company to be in, I suppose, or to associate yourselves. But to stay there is the next thing, you know, because you're coming up against your Mayos, your Monaghans, uh, Kildare's in coming weeks where they're thinking, especially Mayo at home, they're saying, first of all, these are two points that are gettable, and second of all, it's Galway Mayo and yeah. Pierre Stadium is the big one. Yeah, it's a big one, big derby for them. As well, if they can get the win, you get to six points, then you definitely won't be relegated. Um, they should be safe now, considering who they've beaten, if head-to-head comes into it. But um, that was obviously the first objective for Galway, is to stay in Division 1. And if they can actually get enough points to confirm that safety early on, then they can really go for broke when they play the likes of Monaghan's and Kerry in the later rounds. They can go for broke and show, just prove to the country, this is how good we are and we can compete at the highest level. Sure, and then uh, Kerry obviously up there on top with the dubs as well. Kerry... Like, okay, they weren't. I don't think anybody they were blown away, uh, or they blew anybody away with that win over Donegal. The fact that they were man up, but again, I don't think it's a statement victory going up to Mayo and getting the win there. Just considering the circumstances, considering the time of year and everything, like Kerry won the league last year, and everybody was bitterly disappointed with twenty seventeen as a whole. So nobody's gonna hang their hat on a few league wins, but it's. Just from an analytical point of view, they just look like they're kind of gelling nicely and they're taking away nicely. Yeah, and it's the new players coming in as well. You know, they had um, five of the team that started the All-Ireland semi-final, as a replay, I should say. And um, so all these new guys that are coming in are showing that they are, you know, they're good enough to play football for Kerry. They're, they're changing players, but the standards aren't dropping. And that's the one thing I think for Eamon Fitzmaurice he'll be delighted with. And also, I think I said last week on the show how um, the one thing you're looking for at this time of year is just the attitude and like the character and how much do the players actually want it and going down to 13 men but they were still able to keep plowing away at it that's, Joe, that'll, be, that'll be great for Kerry going forward because they've shown that Joe, small bit of adversity things going against them they didn't roll over they didn't let it get to them Sure they're going up to Monaghan now next week uh, up to Inishkeen actually Monaghan with a good win over Kildare themselves this, it's going to be a sticky one really we've talked about Monaghan a lot we blow them up and they flop you write them off and they 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 might get a win or two like yeah you know, that's a tidy enough win going down to Newbridge and getting a win over uh Kildare who had encouraging signs out of um out of their trip to Crow Park last week. In their own right, Monaghan are a side who will be looking to stave off relegation and going up against Kerry it's one of the biggest tests there is really. Yeah, I said the main thing I suppose with staying up is your home games now obviously that away win is a huge bonus for them but they would have targeted these home games in the field that you know that they should be good enough to welcome any team in the country just to their backyard and be able to compete be competitive and get these big wins because 
Joe, they're in Division One, but they're there for a reason as well. So they, there should be no fear of anybody. But um, yeah, of, of course, looking at staying up as opposed to maybe getting to, to the final. But again, this is a, the perfect opportunity for them to show their home crowd. Joe, this is how good we can play and to kind of pr- prove that your 2018 can be a good year of progress for them. We're just going to look down to the, uh, the few divisions now. The Sunday game, for instance, like people here, obviously people were given out and probably have a point too saying Division 3 and Division 4 aren't getting enough uh, kind of coverage and they weren't even the results weren't even read out on the show. But we're going to start with Division 2 here because it's more or less an interesting one that nobody's actually managed to string together two wins. There's been two draws in there. It's me they're currently out on top and they... I don't know whether it's down to their it's obviously down to their massive points difference but the fact that they absolutely walloped Clare 21 points to 7 they're a team who can put up massive scores like we saw that last summer in the early rounds of Leinster as well like it'd be like from a Leinster football point of view and from the Leinster championship looking to be put up there I suppose it'd be great to see them up in division 1 I I just don't know whether they're kind of ready for Division One yet, going by the last few showings, last few seasons. Yeah, well, I suppose we kind of mentioned um, when we talked a lot in this on the show last season about kind of how Leinster falls away after Dublin, but George really is Kildare and Mead are the two that are always spoken about. They're the, the next in line, I suppose, to uh, for people who can challenge Dublin. Now neither of those teams have shown that they can do it over seventy minutes in the last few years, but in terms of um, just this Division Two, that was a great result for Mead yesterday. Score 21 points, that's what they have to do. They have to put up big scores against these teams because Meath will feel they should be in the top eight in the country. They'll look at Division 2, they'll look at the other teams around them and they'll say, you know, these are games we should be winning. Now, the one thing I would be almost concerned about is goals. You're not going to kick 21 points against Dublin. You're not going to kick 21 points against your Tyrone, your Mayo's, your Kerry's. So you have to find the back of the net because look, Clare are a fine team. But that defence, while not bad footballers, it's not as good a defence as the Dublins of this world. So you have to try and run through, raise a few green flags because, as I said, you're not going to kick 20 points every week. Sure, Ross Common as well up there. Um, they went to Tipperary and got the win. They went down to the Semple Stadium now. It's kind of probably, it's a hurling field. <laughs> no point in uh, beating around the bush there. So it's kind of open spaces. There was a good Tipperary football crowd in there relatively speaking but Roscommon our team they went down last year and they're kind of fancying their chances they said we won Connacht we brought Mayo to a replay who went to the All-Ireland final we kind of here we think we're a Division 1 team and they're trying to go out make a statement they got caught at home by Mead uh, the first day it was a draw 2-12 apiece but going down there and they just said here we really if we want to push on for promotion now there's a few big games coming up starting going to Turles and getting that win and that's exactly what they did yeah look they're kind of champions similar to me that they'll probably look around that division 2 table and say these are all teams we're better than these are all teams we should be beating but um, it was great character they scored the last 1-5 without reply to get that win it looked like Tip were going to get a very impressive victory after beating Cork and Parky Cueve in round one, if they could have added Ross Common to that, it would have really kind of made everyone, certainly everyone in Munster, but everyone in the country, just take notice of Tipperary football. I know um, we, spoke, we heard from Liam Kearns on the show last week, and he spoke about how he thought Ross Common were favourites for promotion, so I'm sure, despite being disappointed with how the game ended up, 
you'll be happy with the showing and happy with the first 60 minutes anyway Sure uh, Loud is currently the only pointless team right there they're, after they finished top of Division 3 table last year they've uh, come up and they've shipped some heavy beatings going down to Cavan they're 317 to 13 points they're no points they're minus 19 points after two games as well their next up is going down to Porcarin to face um face Cork on Sunday afternoon it's I'm not saying it's a must win for them quite yet but if they lose that, you'd fancy you're going to say here, there's no chance of them staying up. It's the nature of the defeats as well. You don't want to be losing by an average of 9 or 10 points a game at a, at any level. It'll make, obviously the league, it's all about preparing for a championship. Very hard to come into a championship when you're, ship, when you're shipping heavy defeats like that. But um, yeah, Cork had a good win up, in, up and down over the weekend. So they'll have a bit of the confidence back. Disappointing for them the first round against Tip the match we just spoke about but um yeah they seem to be back on back on track now and I'm sure they'll be confident going into Parky Rin. Sure, uh, going down to Division Three there, Armagh was the team that everybody was talking about last year. They probably feel themselves they should have gone up. It was Mikey Quinlan with goal late on, uh, in the final round of games that denied them a place in that final and more crucially uh, a promotion spot. They've gone about their business fairly efficiently so far. They're um. They beat Sligo by a cricket score the first day at home was two seventeen to nine points. They went out went down to Westmead then and away to Westmead you'd think is one of the trickier assignments in Division Three football. But they put on a clinic again. They look like a team just who are really up for it and want to prove that they're a division two team at the very least. Yeah, Westmead are a team as well who can who can really put it up on a big occasion. Like Leinster semi finals they've won over the last few years. So that's a great result for our uh, themselves um, for men and Longford are up there at the top of Division 3 as well I think it's just it goes back to consistency That that's what stopped them from getting promotion last year was that they couldn't put all the results back to back they couldn't put the seven performances in a row now I suppose with the condensed format in terms of the calendar of how quickly the games come about that consistency will be even bigger for them but um, yeah so far so good for them Sure then going down to Division 4 Antrim, Leash and Carlo lead the way um obviously all looking to go up uh, Carlo I think are the interesting one as well they picked up three wins in the championship last year there was a bit of buzz about them Turlock's Green Red and Yellow Army they again they're a team who will probably be looking and saying in the championship we'd fancy our chances against if we're looking at the division three teams your Longfords your Offleys um, even perhaps Westmead in Leinster we could have a crack off these teams division four in their medium to long term goals no place for them they'll be looking and they got a handy win over Limerick no don't mean to offend you but <laughs> Limerick's uh, unless they pull something out of the bag in, long, in London I should say in the next round they're not going to be doing much. It's, but it's tight at the top. Leash, you'd think, haven't gone down last year, really making a statement now, just getting out of there again. And Antrim, to their credit, two wins out of two. Not many uh, people would have seen that coming. They beat Leitrim handy enough. And the other one, they, um, they went down to Watford and got a comprehensive win as well. To, it's tight. It's a slog getting out of that Division 4. I suppose the thing with those three teams, Antrim, Watford and Carlow, they all went away from home on Sunday and won games, which is um, which is a huge thing for them. Obviously, with the divisions, you're at the same relative standard as all the other teams. So to be able to travel to the backyard of other counties and come home with the two points, fantastic for the three of them. It'll probably come down to uh, the three of them when they all play each other, who can come out on top. Um, obviously, Leash getting relegated was a bit of a surprise last year. But... Um, 
I suppose as we found out with Armagh last year, just because you're perceived to be the best team in one of these lower divisions doesn't necessarily mean you get through. There are other big teams in these, these groups and you have to beat them as well. But um, obviously Carlo as well had their three wins last year in the championship. They have a bit of momentum going. And I suppose what teams, what you don't usually associate with Division 4 teams are, te- are counties who put these performances back-to-back in the championship. Typically they have two games in the championship, maybe three. Whereas Carlo were playing week on week and I suppose it's a style of football that suited them so that they can bring that into this competition now. Sure, um, we're looking ahead or looking back on the weekend's hurling now, we're going to switch codes and there's several talking points to come out of it, not only um, I suppose Gerlach Nan's comments on Clare before the weekend and his Irish Daily Star column got a lot of people talking, we're going to chat about that in a bit, Davies Re- Revolution rumbles on with another win this time over Cork at home in the league, we're going to start with uh, Tipperary and Watford who played out Watford fell flat or Tipperary perhaps pushed on in that second half you were in Semple Stadium on Saturday night Joel firstly just about Derek McGrath Watford do they like straight out do they have any interest in this league do you think um, I think they do obviously they only scored 1-1 in the second half the point came in injury time but um, they, they had the world avoids Pat Corn unfortunately the poor day on the freeze he missed at least three in the second half alone. So they were creating chances. They're getting into scoring chances and getting fouled in scoring areas, but just couldn't finish it off. And um, so that's something that that doesn't really come down to interest either. You know, it's like, you know, they were, as I said, they were creating those chances. They just couldn't capitalise. But um, tip, tip were good as well, to be fair to them, that second half, that last 20 minutes in particular. They really, they really stepped up a gear and blew Watford away. Yeah, and it was a big tw- last 20 minutes for them, which is obviously disappointing for Derek McGrath. The other thing was um, the goal came from a penalty just after Watford got their goal, and it came from a, a disputed line ball. And we spoke to Derek McGrath after the match, and he wasn't willing to use that decision as an excuse. Yeah, I thought, well, first of all, I thought it was a really, not a manly piece of play, like in terms of yeah. two good fellas coming together. Yeah. I think it was Ronan Marin himself. Was it Ronan Marin, Brendan Marin himself? I think just... Look, we, we never really argue over the seasons, but we just felt the ball was kept in play very well by Austin in terms of the skill that he kind of demonstrated by taking the tackle on. So, yeah, and look, uh, we wouldn't be clinging to that in fairness, I think. Um, the penalty obviously came on the back of that then and, and, and um, we seemed, you know, just to fade out of it after it. So, overall, in the overall sense, we'd actually be disappointed in the, in the, in the slight capitulation for the last 15 or 16 minutes, but... In the overall sense, our aim tonight was to not expose guys to this level, but to show confidence in 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 some of the guys that have been on our panel for the last two or three years. You know, and we kind of deliberately um, weighed up the amount of game time that they've had over the last um, two or three weeks based on tonight's match. And as I said, we're looking after our panel in, in the manner that we see fit that's best for our panel. You know? Injury wise, was it precautionary the last time? No, it looks like. It, Looks like some sort of quad injury, mm. and I'm not sure it's a torn. But not sure if you're honest with you. But just asked him as he came off the field. He just said his quad, so muscular, I'd imagine. But you know, um, Stephen Roach went off with a, with a dead leg very early in the game. Unfortunately, on his not on his debut, but on his second game there in the last two years. So um, looks like a quad injury. But as I say, we're not sure yet. Yeah, yeah, and there's lots of debate and conjecture about this. I think it's 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 a it is a priority for us in terms of. We don't feel our confidence will be shredded by not getting any points here tonight, for instance. But we don't feel that we're arrogant enough to treat the league in a flipping manner that we can all of a sudden say we're approached. What we are trying to do is 
we hear a lot of debate about player welfare. Do you know, if we wanted to tonight, like we could have a half back in there of a tie right in the middle of it, Austin there. So, you know, based on guys having played three or four matches in the last uh, number of weeks. So we're going to approach it in a manner that we feel is best for for us. Okay, I think I think the differences in in the league and the differences in the championship format allow for. I can't see like we have a 21 day period from from the 27th of May to the 17th of June, four matches, 21 days, and I just can't see that we we can't find out whether we need DJ Foran, whether we need Peter Hogan, whether we need Ian Kenny for those games because I just can't see it being done in a in a 21 day period. So we just why are they on the panel? Why is Mark O'Brien on the panel? He's he's on the panel because he needs to be he needs to get game time and we feel he's good enough. So it's it's about mixing and matching through the league for us. But it's there's no sense of not justifying, you know, people's season ticket things are, you know, us in any way being more relaxed our dressing room was absolutely the most motivated it has been in a long time before and at half time. So it's it's not a case of us, you know, shoulders back and saying we, we we couldn't give a damn about the league. It's 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 far from that in our dressing room, and that's it's important to kind of to make that point, I suppose, that we're still feeling we, we want to represent Waterford, but we're not we're not there at the moment where we want to be physically. Twenty minutes really shows that's the standard required for this level. Yeah, it is, and it's it's, it's not to be damning about, about the young players, but I think what's important for us now is to assess it first and foremost in terms of how they went, but also to not kind of suddenly. Um, to suddenly kind of just almost kind of you know ensure that they're almost the guy's got their chance and that's it for them I think you know a guy can have a bad night when he's exposed to this particular level for the first time as well I think that that has to be borne in mind as well I think that that was the case even with some guys you know felt like things weren't going well for some guys but we persisted with them not based on if, if it was cut and throw championship you might haul him off after 20 minutes you might haul a guy off after 45 minutes but I think there's a certain amount of confidence building that has to be done for guys that are making their debut at this particular level and I think that's you know, that's not saying we're lacking the rootlessness of approach, but we think best for our harm, the harmony of our group and the, the inclusive nature of our group and what we've done over the last three or four years would be to persist um, um, with guys. You know, even even down to down to a guy having a bad night on on uh, on a particular aspect of of this play or whatever, just persisting with it and leaving him leaving him fight through it, and then ultimately when he goes again the next day, he'll have learned a lot from it. You know, rather than just dismissing him straight away. And we also caught up with Michael Ryan after the match, who was content with the evening's work. You know, we, we were looking just to get a, to get a start. And uh, look, you know, when a quality team like Waterford come to town, you really have to play well to win. And I was I was very pleased with, particularly our second half. I thought we were sluggish in the first, and it was far too much ball, you know, coming out too easily, you know, being brought out too easily by the Waterford backs. Um, so you know, there was a considerable shift I thought in the second half. Now, albeit, you know, we did take the the advantage of the elements too. It wasn't massive, but every little advantage helps. We've been watching Waterford for the last number of years, and uh, you know they, they're very comfortable going short. And you know the challenge is always ours in, ter- in terms of how do you handle it. I just think it worked particularly well for us tonight. Um, in fairness, you know it can it can depend on the personnel that were there. But I thought Mikey Breen in particular um, gave his man plenty of room to look for the ball, and then immediately got up to it. So that was pleasing, you know, and it just. It puts pressure back where, where no team wants to be under pressure. So Tipperary up and running in the league, while Watford are rock bottom, uh, pointless. Another team that are pointless are Kilkenny. Brian Cody will be happy with the manner in which they fought back in that second half. They came out uh, a bit more fired up. 
and put it up to Clare. Probably the damage was done by that stage. All credit to the banner now because Ger Nan obviously saying comparing them to a boy band last week and saying that it's like playing behind the Iron Curtain, etc. He named out a few players too who were weren't putting in the work. Here there was little surprise that Claire went out like that was up in the dressing room all I think that's a bit of a cliche sometimes but I wouldn't be surprised if that was literally put up in the dressing room wall in the away dressing room in uh, Nolan Park but Kilkenny there's been a lot of talk over the last few, few weeks one or two commentators suggesting that Brian Cody should step aside or Brian Cody has brought his team county as far as he can I think read another kind of good piece retort in that saying that he's the right man he just doesn't have the players right now if you look at this team and not every one of them was have been playing this league uh, but if you look through the spine of the team there for what we think should be a starting 15 for their championship Owen Murphy, Podrick Walsh, Paul Murphy, Killian Buckley, TJ Reid, Richie Hogan when he's on form and Colin Fenley I think would walk onto most teams in the country the problem is the other seven or eight guys and also the other five or six subs then who are going to come in, do they have it? And throughout this league so far in this preseason, the suggestion would be that is not. Or, or can we flip that and say, you're look, going down to Cork, Porky Cueve, first night the Rebels are ever playing there in the new stadium, going down by a goal, going down by a goal against a fired-up Clare team who have hit ground running early in the season isn't the worst, worst result. They just need to pick up a few points and actually get a few wins now. Well, I suppose, like you mentioned, the seven or eight guys who would walk on to any team, I suppose in, in the years past, those guys who'd walk on to any team were Eddie Brennan, Henry Shefflin, Owen Larkin, go back to DJ Carey's time, go back to but players like my, Tommy Walsh. My, my point I, is that the, the others, your fillers, the corner forwards, the corner backs, etc., back then were still world beaters, were your DJ Carries. You know, I don't think they have that depth now. I think they've six or seven standout players and they don't other places in the park. But when when you know, the big players are fellas like Henry Sheffin who can score 12, 12 and 13 points almost at will every week, it's easier to be the corner forward who can score once or twice a game, keep the scoreboard ticking and everyone else's, you know, they're, they're so much better. Whereas now these big, these big players... They're, they're winning their own battles just about. They can't dominate other positions for for the rest of the team. And um, I think that's the big thing with it as well. In terms of Brian Cody, I, I don't think it's a case of... Cody you know, out. I don't <laughs> think it's a case of Cody out. Um, somebody did say um, he took the team as far as he can take him, but I don't know how much further than whether 10 All-Irelands or whatever he's won, you can go. But um, yeah, look, it's they're, they're struggling a bit at the moment. But at the end of the day, if they come... If they get a win or two, come fourth or fifth in the league, but win Leinster again, do you know nobody's going to remember these defeats? Sure. They're going down to Waterford the next day. They're both winless. You'd think the loser of that will definitely be in the relegation playoff. Like even, But they probably have to win two games of their last three to have any chance of reaching a quarterfinal now at this stage because we've seen teams with four points end up in that relegation uh, playoff the last few years under these structures. So that's a big one to look out for. Wexford I want to talk about as well because they're up and running they won the Walsh Cup went down to Kilkenny won that they've started off people were saying it's just about survival in Division 1A you'd think they've more or less done that now with their four points If even if they pick up one other result to draw even their home and hose they're safe and they're through to the quarter final I think Davey the form they're, uh, and the pace with which they're hurling 
they're looking above that and beyond that and it's another confidence builder which leads you to the main talking point is this have they peaked too early and my immediate reaction to that question would be we were saying that this time last year about them and they followed through and they backed it up with a solid championship display do you think they've peaked too early from what we've seen in them um, I think Wexford are probably the kind of team that need to be in form early in the year and kind of get a bit of momentum going. I'm not sure if they can you know, shift a few heavy defeats and then bounce back. I think just the way they have to just pick their team and try and get into form, get into championship form as early as they can. Now, nobody's fully sure how, what's the best way to work around these new structures. It's a new thing for every manager. And Davey came out and just said, well, if there's a hurling game, we're going out there to win it. Yeah, and... But, you're going to have to have your best players playing four games in four weeks or four games in five weeks. So for this league, you might as well see if the players can actually do it and how how much intensity they can play week on week because that's going to be a determining factor come the summer. Um, whether they've peaked or not, obviously we won't know till till May or June. But um, as it is, I don't think it could be too critical of a team that's winning games. Sure, I think like Davy is such all about mentality all about kind of driving positive like kind of instilling a belief I suppose that they can go out and do it one of the major gripes and they beat Watford who beat them in the championship last year they had beaten Galway earlier in the year who beat them in the Leinster final one of the main gripes is perhaps in that dressing room they lost to Tipperary soundly in the league semi-final last year Next up, they're going down to Turles on a Saturday night, and it's probably another landmark that Davy is shouting about, saying, "Let's beat these guys. We haven't beaten them yet." Well, like if you look at the teams like Galway, like Tipperary, like Wharf, like Kilkenny, they've won big games over the last few years. They've won All Ireland finals, All Ireland semi-finals. Wexford haven't won those big games in the last few years. Their big wins have come in the league, and that that because they haven't beaten Tip in the last few years, you want to try and do it now. If Tip lose to lose to Wexford. They know that they have the experience of winning huge matches, Munster finals, All Ireland semi finals to come back on. And when teams like Wexford, even like, like Limerick as well to a certain extent, they haven't been winning these matches at senior level, so they have to get those wins early on. Sure, uh, just uh, we're going to park Division 1A there, uh, going down to Division 1B, Galway getting a win over kind of a valiant leash performance two weeks in a row. Perhaps they're starting slowly. We'll see when they have to face off against Limerick and Dublin I suppose will be the real litmus test for them in this league and then obviously into the quarter finals um, awfully failing to back up that win over Dublin as well we talked about a lot them, uh, about them a lot last week Limerick coming out comprehensive winners in Tullamore 124 to 10 points Dublin just about getting out of Corrigan Park and Antrim alive as well with a one point victory Limerick I suppose are the hottest team right now in Division 1B Dublin fell to Offaly who fell to Limerick in turn Galway have struggled past Leash and Antrim Limerick are flying it um, yeah very impressive results at the weekend um, Offaly are always a team that Limerick struggled to beat they've lost a few league games to them in the last couple of years part of the reason Limerick are still in 1B is an inability to beat Offaly on a consistent basis so to get that big result when Offaly are probably at their highest ebb that they have been in the last five or six years after that win over Dublin I'm sure John Kiley and the panel are delighted with the result and the performance because you know there was a big crowd there I think it's nearly 5,000 people in Tullamore Offaly were expecting it somewhat and I think the game was it was level after 12 or 15 minutes so it wasn't like Limerick blasted them from the very start they, they stayed toe to toe with them when Offaly were playing well and then when Limerick got on top they punished them Sure. Um. Next up for Limerick is at home to Dublin on Saturday week as well. 
and that's going to be you'd fancy Limerick heavily here they've they've had a good start to the league etc they hopefully will be able to get to that game now and get a bit of reaction from the game but John Coyley do you think how important is uh, promotion from Division 1B this year for him and for Limerick Hurling um, I'm not well, obviously it'd be ideal if they could get it Um, I think obviously it's the Dublin Galway games I don't think people will be too angry at him if they can't beat Galway but this Dublin match is big for them do you know there isn't we spoke last week about Antrim pushing Galway close and there's no point pushing Galway close unless you beat the teams at your level in a kind of similar fashion. There's no point beating Offaly by 17 points if you go to the next day and lose to Dublin. So you have to push on from the performance. And um, look, look, they're doing well. I think I mentioned about one of the teams earlier in the show about not scoring goals. That's the one thing I would say about the Slimmer team. They've had two big wins, but they've only scored two goals. And... Joy, like you're not going to blast past the teams like Dublin, Galway, Clare, Waterford. So you have you have to get those goals. It's so important for them. But yeah, they're playing well, and you can't be too critical of what they've done so far in 2018. Sure. Um, before we wrap it up, because I'm conscious we're almost running out of time here, but the All Ireland Club semi-finals are on this weekend. Uh, we'll start with Schlockneil against Napierschik. Napierschik, we know what they can do. They've been here before. They've won All Ireland's. They blasted through Munster really in Limerick so far this year getting over Ballygunner in the final Schlock Neil a bit of a more interesting one they fell flat against Kula last year got completely blown away in the semi-final it's never going to be easy striking a balance between hurling and football you know when more or less it's such a massive o- a complete overlap in the two squads uh, all dual players essentially I think the sentiment was coming out of last year was that they put too much focus onto the football and not enough onto the hurling and that showed in their two semi-finals. This year they've got a two-week gap now. They're going to... The hurling is up first as well and they're going to be kind of basically building themselves up. I've heard, reading an interview with one of their players a few months ago saying we're really targeting this one. They've nothing to lose straight out uh, going up against it. Second of all, we saw Napierschig playing out in big fields like the Gaelic rounds, like Turles. They're zipping it around playing champagne hurling. Suddenly they're going down to up to Parnell Park now to face Schlock Neil. And anybody who's been to Parnell Park, it's a nice little venue. It's a bit of a fortress for the dubs. But a venue for champagne, champagne hurling, it certainly isn't. Yeah, I suppose the thing with Schlock Neil is, um, I suppose the hurling have that the footballers don't, is there's a big jump in standard from Ulster to All-Ireland level. You know, you're going from play- no no respect like Antrim also have a good team come out of the championship there but you're going from playing the champions of Antrim the champions of Down to playing the champions of Munster and Leinster and it's a huge step up look at the the teams in the Pierce have beaten you know in their last few rounds Ballygunner Kilmallock teams like that all, who in their own rights are some of the top club teams in the country so that's that's the thing Schlockneil have to I know they've played challenge matches they've played Tipperary in recent challenge so they're trying to get up to that standard but it's when the ball is thrown in and it's championship hurling, which is why I think for them, the first 10-15 minutes is crucial. Can you stay toe to them? Can you even edge a few points ahead? Because if it appears to get a run on the best teams in the country, we know what they can do. Sure, and just finally then, on Turles on Saturday evening, Cooler taking on um, Lee Mellows of Galway. Cooler, we've spoken so much about them on this show. Lee Mellows coming in here a bit of an unknown. Uh, they don't have any county stars. That's possibly why they were the first city team in so long to claim uh, a county title because all the county stars perhaps struggled to come back down to earth following the All-Ireland victory. Whereas Lee Mellows, they dug it out. 
but they're going up against a different beast in Cool. Yeah, it's not having the county players is probably an advantage at, at the local level in the early rounds of the Galway Championship. Whereas you're progressing now to the Ireland series, you you want the players who who are good enough to play inter county hurling. You want the superstars to to step up because it is an All Ireland semi final, so you want those big game players. But look, I'm sure they've trained together as a unit for the last twelve months, probably non stop. So it's something that there's probably a great unity in that panel. And again, we've spoken so often on the show, like winning is a habit. I know they haven't played a game competitive game since the Galway final, but if they can keep that momentum going, you know they will be confident. But all that said, it's very hard to overlook Kula in this one. Sure, absolutely. Uh, two games to look out for this weekend. Unfortunately, that's all we do have time for here in this week's uh, podcast. If you liked what you heard, please do subscribe, click like, etc. Tell your friends. We'll be back next week reviewing all the action. We'll be making a few games again this weekend. So do stay tuned. And thanks very much for listening. <laughs>